Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. Uh, if I sound a little froggy, I apologize. I got those those good, good Kentucky allergies Ribbit. going on right now. So <laughs> I like to think I'm more like like Phoebe, and she's got that like you know like her sexy voice she plays guitar with when she's six, but. It's more of a frog. What's it's very this? Cur- smelly it's very cat. Kermit. Smelly cat. Smelly cat. Yeah. How are, how's everybody doing today? Good. Good. Strong. 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 <laughs> Not seasonal allergies. They're for the week. Not weak. Yeah, we don't have allergies. We're not nasally. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate you all. They would save me during the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> well, I am extra excited because we are kicking off um, a kind of month of some cut flower episodes. And if you've listened to any episodes so far, uh, you I usually find a way to work in something about cut flowers uh, because that's who I am as a person. Uh, And I'm just really excited to kick off Kentucky cut flower month. uh, And we're going to have some cool guests on this month. So I'm just, I'm just overall really jazzed about this. I'm I'm pretty excited as well. I have a couple little facts here for you. A couple (laughs) little, little bit of information that came out of this study that a psychologist from the university of Harvard uh, medical school. I'm sorry. Where? Ever never heard of been, it? Never oh. alone university. <laughs> I normally don't don't uh, intellectually slum it with Harvard material, but in this case, I'll make an exception. Uh, they did this thing where they assessed people with and without the presence of cut flowers in their rooms or in their houses, or uh, they, I think they did it in a, a couple of different environments. And they found from their studies, you can read more about this uh, in a couple of different places, including I think uh, the Harvard blog and uh, about flowers from the, the Specialty Cut Flower Association, I believe. But they found that when there are presence, the pre- in the presence of flowers, uh, flowers feed compassion. Flowers can chase away anxieties, worries, and the blues at home. Living with flowers can provide a boost of energy, happiness, and enthusiasm at work. And a quote here from the, the principal investigator, as a psychologist, I'm particularly intrigued to find that people who live with flowers report fewer episodes of anxiety and depressed feelings. Our results suggest that flowers have a positive impact on our well-being. So what better reason to celebrate for a whole month of cut flowers and, and you know, even if you don't cut them, just grow them in the ground and, and love on them. This month, July, cut flower month, I'm also very excited. Yeah, it's actually also American-grown uh, flower month. So we we claim it as Kentucky, and you all know that that's where we're at. So we also claim it as Kentucky Cut Flower Month, but it is American-grown Cut Flower Month, and that is because July is the only month out of the year that every single U.S. state has um, cut flowers available. So even Alaska, so the Alaska peony season has started. Um, up there, so I just I find that fascinating when you think about it because you're like, oh, okay, and then you're like, oh, wait. Alaska. Um, so is Alaska they- kind of like known for peony production? So more recently, like it's okay. not something that's been, been always there, but in the last 10 or 15 years, they've okay. really done a good job of that. And so uh, there are lots of peony farmers and they supply the world in these late 
or in the summer and late summer peonies now. Um, they're pretty much one of the only uh, places that grow them this time of year. So it's it's pretty impressive. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're celebrating the whole gamut of cut flower grower, cut flower types, cut flowers in different contexts. Mm-hmm. So that could be for sale. That could be for just picking for your home or giving to a somebody you think is cute on a date or something <laughs> or bringing them to somebody who's a friend of yours uh, or family member, that type of celebration as well. It's not just we, we tend to sometimes focus on more of the home side or more of the commercial side, but it's kind of a blend of all those. Mm-hmm. I think we, yeah. we want to give a shout out. But like in the last few years, we've seen like crazy growth in the number of cut flower growers in the state of Kentucky, we keep track of those because, you know, we're here. Uh, but <laughs> Josh was Alexis, whoever was there. We have some numbers on that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can give numbers for people who have volunteered to be in the Kentucky. I believe it's the Kentucky Commercial Cut Flower Grower mm-hmm. Association. So people who are looking to sell flowers. Um, and in I believe the foundation year was 2019. Mm-hmm. The first year we put this together, we had uh, 35 people that were listed in the the directory. And as of this year, actually, as of today, we are up to, let me make sure I get this exactly right, um, 117. So yeah. that's been in the last four years that it's grown pretty significantly. Yeah. And it's grown by about that kind of similar size each year like we're just getting the, like it doubled and then doubled and then you know moved on yeah mm-hmm. there i've got some data from the ag census for kentucky and so what josh is talking about is um so there's a map we'll, we'll have a link to it in the show notes there is a map that uh, actually josh put together but it is locations of farms. So if you're looking for a farm close to you in the state of Kentucky to you can buy flowers from in some capacity, uh, you can get on this map and it'll tell you the farm, how to contact them, you know, their website, whatever, uh, as well as how they sell. So if you're looking for someone close to you who does farmer's markets, if you're looking for someone who does roadside stand, whatever that is. So it kind of lists those and it's a phenomenal map um, Josh has created. <laughs> and so, um, but those are the people who, like he said, have like volunteered to give that information and want to be mm-hmm. on that map. So I've, the data I've got is from the ag census, which of course is more about just general farm info so not everybody wants to be on the map those kinds of things and the stuff i have so in 2017 there were 68 people that were saying that they were growing cut flowers as a farm um going back to kind of that like commercial profitability so they're growing and selling cut flowers either just cut flowers or they're selling it as part of another operation uh and then now what they're in that census is indicating is that there are 150 across Kentucky. So really not super far off from what Josh right. is saying. We're still seeing that same level of growth. But uh, anytime I can throw a bigger number about how many cut flower farmers there are, <laughs> I will. I will trump it with a bigger number if the data says that there is one. So, and that either- might be the 150 could might be people who grow cut flowers in addition to another bunch of other stuff. And they're just right. saying they grow that. And so maybe they don't think right. of themselves as cut, cut flower growers enough to be part of the association, exactly. even though they could be. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty wild. Ray, have you, have you seen like an uptick in, in interest both locally and statewide 
and from oh, your yeah. perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I was just uh, talking with some folks um, from our garden club, and I was relating an experience that I had um, at a spring meeting that we had here in Kentucky, uh, the Fruit and Vegetable Producers Association. And it was an amazing that one of the breakout sessions or tracks of um, uh, information there at the meeting was um, related to flowers and flower production, all things flowers. Uh, Alexis was the host, and she kept everybody well in line. Of by, that room, by any means that, necessary. Yes, by, by corporal punishment, <laughs> I believe was that the exact term. Listen, yes. we can learn all about uh, how to compost uh, dead but, things. Yeah, yeah. one, but one example needed. really sets the tone. Yeah, it, it was needed in that room. I tell you why, because the energy in the room was really through the roof, and it was a standing room only kind of thing. They had to bring chairs in. It was a big crowd, so they were very lucky to have Alexis in there running crowd control over that bunch. But yeah, I've seen um, just the interest. It kind of reflects what you guys are saying. I'm seeing the same thing on the field side with uh, local interest and on a statewide um kind of scope too but is is this just unique to kentucky uh alexis you guys that are tuned into this josh or is this a u.s thing kind of what's going on is it regional what's happening well 80 percent of the flowers that you know <laughs> let me just throw some more data at you 80 percent oh. of the flowers that are sold in the flower market are imported so that's um, mm, mostly sure. south america but we also have of course holland and places like that and so there has been a resurgence. And that was something that happened in, I think it was like started happening in the 60s and kind of got to that full 80% around the early 80s. If you're listening and know those dates are wrong, I know I'm pretty close. Okay. I've given myself a 20 year window. All right. But anyway, I might so not this be is, right, but I'll fight you. But if I'm you say pretty I'm wrong. dang close. Uh, so <laughs> it's not going to be wrong if you make your specificity <laughs> wide enough. So that kind of there was a lot of farms in in the U.S. I mean, farms for all kinds of stuff, vegetables, all that. Same with cut flowers, and then of course, you know, cheaper labor, all of those things go out of the U.S. So I think that there has there has been a resurgence. I think I know I don't have those numbers because I'm only concerned with Kentucky numbers at the moment, but. That same, we've seen that same jump kind of all over the U.S. Um, with people kind of picking up to fill in those markets again because try to bring that eighty percent number down, and and I think mm -hmm. that that shows that there is enough room for people to fill um, if we can fill in with American grown, um, you know, flowers. We there's eighty percent that we can fill and keep it local. Um, right, and have you the potential. There's some education needed there because. You're mentioning flowers produced in countries that could probably not feasibly be produced here in an environment that they, you know, that is different than our own. Uh, is there any education that had that's kind of been taking place to get people more accustomed to purchasing things that can be grown locally? Are you seeing I, that? I think we kind of almost have to think of if it's the same in the vegetable world, but maybe to mm -hmm. a higher yeah, extent sure. in the floral world because there is such a diversity that of things that. Um, in the floral world. But I think we're talking American grown. So what can be grown in Colombia can be grown in California, can be grown mm -hmm. in Florida. And can, so can, right, moving right. those places and, you know, the times that you can get them um, to the States is possible, but it still is something, um, you know, it is something to think, you're right. It is something to think about whether or not those places can do the type 
the large quantities mm-hmm. that is required. You know, yes, there is some things, you know, in Holland, there's a reason they grow a lot of tulips. Their soils are great for it. We don't necessarily have the land space here for that because a lot of that is taken up in food production, which no shame in that. Um, that's fine. Uh, but that 80% is a lot. I mean, when you really think about how high that number is, to think of that 80% of flowers are imported into the United States, um, that's a big number that we can significantly reduce uh, and I think still have pretty much everything that we want. It just might be more of like a time of the year thing. Like you're not going to have you're not going to have peonies in the middle of winter because there's nowhere in the U.S. we can do that. Um, but right, well, aren't there? There are certain species. And I'm probably going to show how I don't know very much about cut flowers here. But one of the things that I remember learning, I don't remember where I learned it. That's why I'm not sure <laughs> uh, if it's <that's> likely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that uh, there are certain advantages to uh, purchasing cut flowers locally beyond, you know, how fresh they stay, quote quote unquote, because you're getting them so soon after they're cut. But like snapdragons, I remember standing out as ones that don't ship well because they can't lay flat. They want to like, after they've been cut and laid on their side, they'll like the plant hormone, like oxen or whatever, will put a curve in them to try to make them stand up straight. Is yeah, that they're, right? they're geotropic. So they, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're, Gosh, what and- class was that? I <laughs> that Does that like, mean that they'll like chase rocks? <laughs> School of no, rock. They respond to gravity. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I there's see. geotropic and phototropic, and some plants mm-hmm. are one or the other, and some are both. Um, so I don't. I know. Um, I know snapdragons are geotropic. I think mm-hmm. gladiolias are geo and photo, so they both go against gravity and towards the light if they can. Right. So it's like double. But yeah, so snapdragons are something that they can be hard harder to ship because of that. Now they have done some ways of like the special wraps that they do that they right. they can't they can't bend. So they're <laughs> they're a kind of middle of the road version, but like one that we see a lot that is not a good there's two that I'm thinking of that you know, florists and people in general, you know, whether it's weddings or you're buying from a grocery store whatever love that are really hard to get uh like at, from a big wholesaler shipped in are dahlias and cosmos uh, mm-hmm. because they, neither of them ship well they have to be uh in water which is much more expensive to ship they already have short vase lives as it is even if you were to you know pick one fresh out of your garden and put it immediately inside it has a short vase life uh, in comparison to most things so they're just – they never come in good. When I've talked to florists, I know that when they order dahlias uh, because, you know, they might have a bride or something that has to have them, uh, when they order them, they order two or three times the amount that they actually need because they mm. know they're going to throw away that many, um, wow. which is just crazy when you think about it and like think about how much then they have to charge that bride um, or that client to – get that flower in versus if they were to buy it from a local grower. Granted, has to be in season. They can't just order out of season. But if they bought that from a local grower, you know, they're not going to throw anything away uh, because mm-hmm. that grower is going to want to make a good relationship. So they're only going to bring them, you know, essentially the best. So in theory, they're not going to throw anything away. So how much cheaper it would be, f- you know, for that client even if you think about it. You know, it might be more expensive to buy it from local, but is it – really more expensive per stem if you're not buying three times the amount. So, um, but yeah, those are two that 
there's so many aspects of it. It's not just vase life is better when you buy local. You know, the same thing as we say like local tomatoes taste better, right? Like it's the same concept of that and that freshness. So yes, in theory, you should have longer vase life if the grower knows what they're doing. Uh, But it's also that you're going to get stuff that you can't necessarily get everywhere. Um, So that's kind of the beauty of it. A little um, political, economic, political, ecological context to to what you were talking about, Alexis, with that shift away from um, most mostly domestic flowers to mm-hmm. mostly uh, in, international flowers. And in 1991, there was a l- law passed called the Andean, that's the, the Andean Mountain Range, Andean uh, Trade Preference Act, which was, you know, the, the political line that was given was that it was an attempt to incentivize the development of quote-unquote legitimate industries to try to combat the drug trade. And as part of that, it waived and or reduced tariffs for imports coming from South American countries, including on cut flowers. Mm. And so, excuse me, that was, it started in 1991. It was originally for 13 years, but I believe it was then extended as part of another um, thing. There's information on this from like the U S treasury. But that in, in essence created the pipeline for really inexpensive international flowers because the tariff would be the way that the, the labor relative labor difference cost difference would be kind of like it's, even if you could get cheap labor elsewhere, it could be offset by the fact that they're going to have to pay a tariff when it comes into the United States. So interesting little intersection of politics, history and cut flowers for you. uh, Love it. As you're as you're thinking about, about that, that, but it, yeah, it, yeah that was uh, that that's was a big, a yeah, big part of that. Uh, big I deal. think there is movement now to bring that tariff back. Um, mm. The like circles, the, the circles I run in. <laughs> no, anybody, Amer- <laughs> the <laughs> the American Society Alexis cut had, flower. Had growers. lunch with the Bidens yesterday to <laughs> <laughs> talk about the tariff. <laughs> Uh, cultural attaché to Columbia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I visit the Pentagon quite often. Yeah. Um, okay. That's all we need to say. The, You're not allowed to say anymore. I get it. You're not allowed to talk about it. I can't talk about this further. Uh, the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers is um, it's actually got some international uh, growers in it, but uh, primarily is American growers. They're heavily involved in bringing that tariff back. Um, And I wish I had thought about looking up more about this because there's been lots of really good meetings and I've just essentially been reading the cliff notes of them. Um, But there's movement. I don't know if it's gone like through, I'm not sure where, where it lasts, but if you've heard anything about that, let us know. Um, I'm I'm thinking of uh, the president right now of that association was given some, some talks about what that looks like and um, just to support the local growers because there are there are enough large scale growers now in the United States to be able to say like this isn't fair and mm. we're growing locally uh, and we think that you know we need to be given a fairer chance here because we can do what they're doing and so they're you know some really large large ones as well as all this growth like you know we've talked about all these this growth in flower farming operations. So even the small growers are having an impact on that. Um, I think they're having an impact, but as far as voting was going, it was something around like, 
$100,000 in sales, which I know seems like a lot. I mean, it is a lot, um, but that's kind of a, a standard number that's used yeah. for a lot of um, a lot of horticulture operations. And mm-hmm. when it comes to flowers, it's not as big as if you were selling like lettuce or something like that because you have a much higher dollar amount. Mm-hmm. You know, one right. stem is a lot worth a lot more. So anyways, there's a lot of farms that would be considered small by like yeah, USDA that- that's one of the craziest things about mm-hmm. cut flowers is that people like the amount, the dollar per acre yeah. return or, or at least gross uh-huh. is like insane yeah, compared to a lot of, of highest. You know, especially compared to like commodity crops, like forget about it. Yeah. Um, but even compared to other direct marketing crops, it's pretty wild and cool. And like a, the idea of like intensive, small production fits in a lot of places I think that that's don't, why it's that grown aren't the great so plains. Um, yeah. yeah. So the Amer- the cup, especially cut flower gro- American, especially cut flower grower association, grower association reported that their membership in the last four years has doubled. So yeah, to your question, Josh, about the like growth elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that ours, we're probably, Kentucky's probably growing faster than the country as a whole, but there is still tremendous growth. And I think mm-hmm. that's another interesting like intersection of. And that's just their membership, right? Like that's right. That's that just the membership. for the people who can't afford to pay $200 or don't want to pay $200 right. to join that association. Totally. So yeah. Um, and it doesn't account for the fact that some of those members have probably grown in size yeah, and they still just right. count as one, even though they've, you know, doubled their sales. And this is another example of like, from about the culture of horticulture, the broader cultural impacts of the pandemic mm-hmm. and the, what it had on both local foods, but also on cut flowers that mm-hmm. people had, they couldn't go places and they had some money that, right. so that they were, were using for not going places or that, that, that they had been using to go places that they weren't using to go places. And they were spending a lot of time in their spaces. Many mm-hmm. of them, not, I'm a homebody. It didn't, I mean, it changed some for me, but some people, it was like the first time that they had spent long hours within their mm-hmm. own house and then realizing, oh, this space is like improved by these cut flowers and <laughs> right, yeah. this is really My nice. My anxiety and, is somehow lower when I look yeah. at that. <laughs> stare, as I stare into these snapdragons, I forget the world yeah. seeming to crumble outside my my window. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they had more or they grew more. Like the seeds, uh, I think Johnny's – I saw something. Johnny's was saying how much – like how their seed, vegetables, everything, herbs, all of that, like their mm-hmm. sales increased so exponentially from you know COVID because people had time and were home and were looking for something to do at home. So I think a lot of our cut flower – it was already growing before that. Like you know, we have numbers from 26 – you know, 2017. But – it grew so much faster um, that year uh, from people who just wanted it. And then they were like, oh, I enjoy this or, you know, it, it's a good support. Maybe, you know, they're still working full time, but it's their teachers. So it's nice for them something to do in the summer and they sell to their teacher friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, some for some people it is supplemental income and that's wonderful. Uh, and for some people it is, you know, a full-time job. And we do have several large farms uh, across Kentucky that I'm not sure if like people knew that like their full-time job is to farm and they farm cut flowers and that's it. And now we have some who farm vegetables and they also have, they, you know, focus on one or two cut flowers. They either bring to market or, um, I know a, a big, uh, 
huge vegetable CSA that has decided they wanted to do wholesale sunflowers because it just mm. fit their model and they need a rotational crop. Yeah. Uh, and so they don't want to do retail, even though they do like retails with, and you know, they might throw it into a CSA box as a thank you or something, but like they want to add this into their operation to help build their soil and their ecosystem and all that jazz. And then they're going to sell those wholesale. So, um, and, you know, they're full-time farmers. But we have some people who are full-time flower farmers and they pretty much only do flowers. And I think that's really cool. And a lot of thing people don't necessarily know that about Kentucky. And we have a great climate for growing cuts here. Is that what they call them in the biz? You just call them cuts? I know. Yeah, we just some, call like, them like sweet cuts. slang right Dang. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could be either She's- flower farming or mafia. I mean, it works for either. I know you <laughs> all are not both? seeing this. You're not seeing the video. You're just hearing, but Alexis has a leather jacket and has her hair <laughs> styled like John Travolta in Greece, and she just said cuts. Cuts. <laughs> and she I has like, M&Ms whipped, in the background. I whipped out my, my knife out of my tool belt that I wear, yeah. and I whipped that that my little point? knife out. Is that, yeah, you know. Um. I'm intimidated. <laughs> we called us an open, assisted opening. Okay. We do, yeah. We, we called a switchblade round. <laughs> it depends on your intentions, Brett. I, uh, I do harvest with a knife, personally, uh, so, yeah. you know. Machete. I, I have a I not it's not a sickle it's a um no do I have a sickle I forget there's like a handheld version mm, mm-hmm. it's the same and then oh, there's the like the one the Grim Reaper the carries yeah I think the yeah, side have, is the Grim Reaper a, and the sickle is the yeah, hand I, the curve yeah I think so yeah. yeah I have a sickle that I use to harvest as well so um yeah nice. I, have, I have some fancy really sharp tools that I carry around don't ever come up on me in a field because I have yeah. 18 different things I could stab you with at in arm's length. <laughs> yeah, she might not sell you a cut, but she'll give you one for free. <laughs> free of uh, charge. Anyways, yeah. We've, well, so uh, I, I was wondering if maybe, you know, we talked a little bit about the context. Uh, Josh, do you want to maybe just give a little bit of a download on some of the resources and uh, anything else as far as the some of those short courses that have been published. Sure, um, sure. I think, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of content coming out. Maybe we could collectively uh, brainstorm who, who people should be following to make sure that they get the social media and other downloads on cut flower month here in Kentucky and otherwise talk about that. And then maybe in the last little bit, we can talk about like the, if you wanted to have a cut flower garden or shop for cut flowers or look for, you know, get a bucket of flowers and do some arranging. Maybe we could talk about that in the last little bit. Love it. Sure. Yeah. To speak to the resources, uh, we'll have a link for it, but the, the CCD has like kind of a landing page that has a collection of uh, a lot of different cut flower resources, how to videos, uh, crop profiles and kind of reference sheets. Uh, one that Alexis and I put together about like kind of uh, what flower species need as far as like post harvest, uh, you know, do they need cooling? Are they room temperature? What's the story with kind of dips and like hydrating solutions? Like it's a nice little breakdown of what species require what um, that might help somebody kind of streamline and sort of grow things that have a similar process. Um, as well as uh, a couple of cut flower budgets, uh, things of that nature. Oh, and I wanted to bring up that, that cut flower track that was at the fruit and vegetable conference. Um, that was all recorded. There was, uh, let's see, about eight or nine different topics that we ran through on that day. And those are all recorded and they're now available online at that same kind of landing page. So you can 
even including listen to Alexis get people under control. Uh, but you know, listen to a lot of experts uh, talk about different <laughs> topics. These are so, YouTube YouTube videos. Yes, and yes. they're like things about marketing, but also things about like the like the cut flower. Yeah, um, yeah all specifically. Market, is that what it's called? Um, yeah, the cut flower, the Kentucky market cut flower market. market. We talk market. about that. Um, but yeah, kind of. There's people talking about drying cut flowers, um, record keeping, uh, evaluating profitability. Uh, stuff about forest surveys, uh, do's and don'ts, things like that. Yeah. I'll um, just, I'll just take a brief moment to shout out, uh, Alexis and Kristen and Josh and the folks at the, uh, Dakota and Cindy at the horticulture council, Bethany, Bethany at the horticulture council has done a really great job of responding to the need and the clear demand for information about, um, about cut flower stuff. My, my colleague Savannah presented uh, some stuff about some mm-hmm. marketing related. And um, I just think that that was something we do see it from some extension systems or some other groups. And, but I, I'm, I'm really proud and excited to see that all the stuff that you all have put together and, and put out there to support people. Cause like, as you're talking through this, this is like a lot of really good information. I can understand why people in the room were so amped uh, to do it. So anyway, that's just my cool. brief. Uh, yeah. Well, and in addition to that, that short course track that has a lot of nice stuff there ongoing for the last, I guess, about four years, there's been the virtual cut flower short course that, mm-hmm. um, you know, similarly, like, a, I want to say it started out quarterly and has maintained a similar sort of for a year tempo. Yeah, it's uh, the goal. Sorry, like, I interrupted no, here. Cool. It, yeah. It's kind of like for a year, but it's quarterly for the flower farmer. Like, so the goal is to number one, get you the info that you need before you need it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like actually have to put it into action and also get you when you are less busy. So you're not going to see them in like a true quarterly fashion. They're kind of going to be crammed more, you know, late fall, um, into late winter, like the average timeline. quarterly, but they're not evenly spaced. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah. just to, to make sure that it's something that you can attend and ask questions if you want to and that you have that information available to you before you have to put it into like actual work. Right. So anyway. And so, yeah. And that is an ongoing thing that people can express interest in and find out about, you know, when, when those are occurring, but all the ones that have occurred in the past have also been recorded and are available online. So you can kind of, you know, go through some of these topics, um, even though they, we talked about them, you know, years ago. Uh, still relevant stuff there. And I think, oh, and at that same page, there's also the map we've been talking about, the the cut flower growers and where they are, where to find them, connect to their social media and stuff like that. Um, and that's kind of what we have compiled together from like a, a resource standpoint to assist cut, grow, cut flower growers with production and, and marketing and things like that. Can and I brag on a few of those courses, like really quick, just because? Sure, sure. No, I'm just. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. Listen, okay. yeah, I'm sorry. Whose podcast is this? Yours, man. It's not. It's all of ours. It's but okay, if you say it. so. If you um, say so. So it's collectively owned, singularly run. <laughs> yeah, we got got a lot of sickles. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just ate a peanut butter cup and now it's stuck in my throat. <laughs> so uh, just a, a few in case you're like, hmm, I wonder what's on there. Just to entice you a little bit more with those. Uh, a couple that are, they're all, in my opinion, really great. But 
Uh, if you're wanting to know maybe what to start, like if you've just been dabbling and you're wanting to expand or you're just wanting to start in general, growing cut flowers. Um, we have um, a cut flower grower, uh, Riverbend Farm, going over their top five favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, the cut flower calendar. So if you're trying to figure out how this might work in your schedule or what you should be doing every month, uh, there's some stuff on that. Uh, recently, this year, we had uh, – Those of you who are in the flower world have probably heard of Farmer Bailey. Bailey Hale uh, went to UK, so shout out. Uh, He talked all about Lysianthus. That was huge. We had 700 people live on that course and three (laughs) three countries represented – four countries represented uh, a lot like in addition to the US. So like woohoo, but Kentucky was awesome uh, as part of that. And then – you know, if you're having trouble with social media, you know, how do you do this with cut flowers? If you're new to that, figuring that out. Uh, we did one on farm design and layout. So again, if you're kind of new yeah. or you're looking to buy a farm, just thinking through some really basic things, which they seem basic, like where to lay your water out, how to organize your fields. But like sometimes it's really nice. So yeah. we have Dr. Higgins talked about that. But the upcoming one that we have is going to be in November and it's going to be uh, with Lindsay Beal. So she owns Wild Root Flower Co. Uh, so shout out to The Dirt on Flowers. Uh, that is another podcast. If you're a flower person, go check them out. Uh, Bloom Hill and uh, Wild Root Flower Co. Uh, do that. And so she is doing our next one and she's going to talk about budgeting and financial analysis, but specifically for cut flower growers. So I don't think we get enough of that uh, and just, you know, how she kind of does that in a realistic way uh, specifically for flowers. And I don't think cut flower growers get a ton of that. So I'm really excited to have Lindsay and she's super fun and awesome. So I'm just, I'm shouting them out right now. So that is, and it's free. I'm glad you mentioned that one, uh, the Dr. Steve Higgins talking about um, yeah. the farm layout and design. That was awesome. Because, uh, you know, it's like you say, there. it's like some simple concepts, but a lot of times when we, you know, have a farm or yeah. step into a farm, it's already laid out in a way that, you know, according to the way somebody else set it up, mm-hmm. right? And so you're kind of inheriting a system and uh-huh. his way of talking about it and getting you to kind of like, question some of those things and, you know, make some adaptations to kind of- Or in the reverse, it can be just as challenging if you have a blank slate. So like that's kind of what I had. And it's- it's funny. So it's like I farm, right? But I'm an extension agent. So it, in my in my office where I'm sitting, I'm the person people call with questions, right? I'm the quote unquote expert. And there are other people I go to, including people on this podcast who know a lot more about different things, but people are calling me. So it's like when I'm at my own farm, I'm like, I need to call somebody. And then I'm like, I'm <laughs> supposed to be the person I call. So um, I have to ask myself, I have to like ask extension Alexis, I have to like switch hats and ask extension Alexis <laughs> questions and how she would respond. On. Um, but blank slates can be just oh, as yeah. challenging. And uh, that was super helpful to know like what I've been doing, what what I've set up that was right so far and what mm-hmm. was wrong and what yeah, but and it's funny because like he's not a cut flower person, but he's really good at farm design layout, and I think he did an excellent job. So shout out yeah. Dr. Higgins. Um <laughs> and as far as as far as uh the, the July cut flower month celebration slash highlights, I think a couple People you might want to follow um, if you're on the on Insta, and let's just be real: if we're doing cut flowers, probably on Insta, not 
as much on Facebook or I mean, am I, am I speaking out of turn on that, Alexis? I think that if you're in it for the pretty pictures and inspiration, then go to Instagram. If you are in it for you want to follow a local farm because maybe you want to purchase for them. I mean, still you like pictures and stuff. Most of them also have Facebook pages. So it just kind of depends what you're into. If you just really want to feel inspired, if you just like to scroll and see pretty inspiring things, then Instagram is a good way. But most of them also have a Facebook. So um, I, I think it just the audience is very different there. Yeah, and I'd imagine a lot of ind- like individual independent websites as well um, yes. for folks who with, with uh, contact information. But anyway, uh, Kentucky Horticulture Council will we'll be doing a lot of stuff. I'm, I gave them a mm-hmm. shout out earlier for the, the work, the collaborative work that all these different people have done to develop this cut flower stuff. Um, they're KY Horticulture on Instagram, a couple other places. Uh, they're on Facebook as well, but. Uh, I guess who else, who else as far we do occasionally have stuff on the CCD Instagram and other places that's CCD UKY is our handle there. Um, Alexis, anybody, any others as far as like the cut flower month stuck content specifically, because they'll be um, highlighting a bunch of farm uh, farms and stuff during that, yeah. that month, which is a good way to, if you're looking to increase your follows of, uh, of Kentucky cut flower people, that'd be a good place to, to go. Yeah, I would say that, and you know, you can follow um, Kentucky Proud, Kentucky Department of Ag. I think we'll have some specials, or they better. On, they better. Um, we're we're surely sending them things, but uh, it won't just on, be the cut. That, it won't just be flowers getting cut. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I will come for you. Yeah. Um, so they'll they'll have some stuff as well, and then use that map that Josh has been talking about. If you're just like, I want to know about more cut flower farms in my area, so go on that map. Uh, that will again link and see who's close by, um, and you can click the farm and and follow their uh, farm through social media or check out their website or something like that uh, and create some community, right? Because horticulture, we talk the culture, right? It, a lot of that culture is forming that community. So if you are a new grower, find your find a community, and so sometimes those people are really close by to you they're down the road and they're another flower farmer sometimes they are just um the woman who has been growing you know peonies and she has 100 peony plants that she just enjoys she will give you more information than probably any cut flower um official you know publication that i can Mm -hmm. give you on peonies she will probably top all of that make friends with her, eventually ask her to dig some of her peonies. But anyways, <laughs> learn from her. Um, but it might be somebody like, I think some of my own personal closest like cut flower community aren't even in my state, but they're similar to me in some way. The Like when they started, their size of their operation, their humor maybe uh, are very <laughs> similar to mine. And so uh, a lot of them are from totally different Uh, places and uh, so I encourage that and also um, be aware that uh, I feel like I have to say this because we're pushing social media but regardless of what you're following for social media follow people who inspire you to do better if you're scrolling through and those beautiful pictures intimidate you and make you feel bad about what you're doing it might have nothing to do with that person. That person's great. They're What they're doing is fantastic. But if they make you feel down about what you're doing, just like hide their posts. You can still go look at them and stuff. And it's not personal. 
But like I've had to do that because I see everybody else's highlight reel and their beautiful farm. And I'm like, well, I can tell you about the lamb's quarter that's eight foot tall in, in my in my bed <laughs> right now. And I am not joking about that. I measured it. Um, it's edible. It's more of a, it's, it's more of a lamb's edible. half dollar at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There he is. There he is. There Showing is. up. Thank you. Thank you. Coming alive. Um <laughs> But dozed anyways. off there for a second. <laughs> back. Uh, he's back. He's back. All right. Yeah, Don't I mean that's forget. a da- that's a danger in general with social media, yeah. both in our personal lives, but also more broad, like it within or less broadly within the horticulture world. Is it part of what we're trying to do? Is sell some aspect of illusion? Um, oh. I mean, that's what marketing. <laughs> I mar- live a lot. in illusion. And yeah, I mean, marketing <laughs> is like turn your back on, like turn your turn. 12 degrees so that all the weeds are out of the yep. shot. <laughs> right, uh, right. T- let me take this picture because I look cute because I just got out of the shower not 30 minutes ago and I was crying <laughs> out in the field because the irrigation <laughs> sprung another leak, right? Like it's a different right, right. It's different the good thing. beats up front that make people pull over and say, I need to buy some beats. Yeah. <laughs> Which the is Kanye beats up front. Your money beats. <laughs> exactly. And, and like I think there is that is a good PSA um, both in ter- in terms of like yeah you hide it or like get it out of your face if it's make if it's causing you tension but at the same time realize that the people who are on the other end of pressing publish on that post probably had the same exact thing last mm-hmm. week when they saw somebody else like it's this mm-hmm. and nobody's trying to do that they're just trying to sell a really strong image and brand mm-hmm. but it does have the the sometimes the unintended consequence of of destabilizing and inspiring insecurity and and nobody is really trying to do it. You know, it's not like yeah. Alexis is like, <laughs> I know Brett's <laughs> peonies look like shit this week. I'm going to, I'm going to post this picture of mine. Ha ha ha. It's never, it's never like that. Wrecked. It's more you're like, oh no, <laughs> Alexis. Actually, so funny that you bring up Brett's peonies because his wife has some peony plants and where they live in Lexington. Listen, he can say what he wants, but where they live in Lexington, they have a heat sink there, right? And I am another 45 minutes south in um but out in the middle of a field and I get some cold temperatures. So his peonies always bloom 10 to 14 days before mine and I am always so mad. They do. They do. <laughs> and I'm always like, mm. Brett and Annie have peonies. Why aren't my peonies blooming yet? And I have to remember that, you, you know, need to climate. Get some kind of device that converts your anger into heat for your plant. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, I get a, like two to three extra days because Annie makes me go and sleep curled up around them at night. So that, just so you know, that is a tech. No, don't, don't <laughs> do that. You can absolutely do that. Yep. Um, it's, it's fine. But uh, just, I don't know. I feel like everybody says it, but just like another reminder to yeah, not definitely. compare yourself in in anything and farmers don't compare yourself to other farmers because quite literally the soil five feet away from the you know soil you're standing on could be different let alone a whole other farm uh so you know right. do what you can with what you got that's my psa and i got real sassy there and if anybody watched i'm doing like some hand motions yeah like, she got her switchblade back out fighting style or yeah yeah, right. just, mm, I've got like, yeah, I'm like, hold my hoop. It's either sign language or a dance battle. I yeah. It could be both. Does it have to be, can mm-hmm. I communicate through my dance? <laughs> I I believe uh, that's a thing people do. It says do. a lot. Kind yes, of a it thing. says a lot. Um, 
But well, anyway, we got way off topic. Uh, yeah. I mean, not off topic, but on a different side. I think this is on. It's on topic. We were off topic, but we were on one. So we, you wanted to talk on about Brett. For sure. Well, I just we thought maybe maybe brand. we can wrap up with like uh, one thing I learned uh, mm-hmm. over COVID. I, I had my own awakening about horticulture and gardening and everything else. And it was really the realization or the acceptance or whatever that – not every square inch of space that I'm going to be cultivating needs to be used for food production mm. and that there is this whole element of other stuff. And, you know, going beyond mm-hmm. the our podcast a couple, maybe a month or so ago about, you know, what's the things besides money that motivate you. But there's also not just, you know, um, food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. m- m- Man or human cannot live by vegetables alone or by <laughs> just food alone. Uh, and in reality, that the cultivation and, and creation of a space that mm-hmm. gives you this feedback that has all those things I was mentioning earlier about the, the effect on depression and anxiety and worry. And in a time mm-hmm. where I was very, very anxious and very, very worried, even more than usual um, <laughs> about well, the world and yeah. everything else. Who- as someone who eats their feelings, there are also edible flowers. So <laughs> True. it all comes back. Yes, indeed I was going there through are. like I was going through like four pounds of nasturtium a day. Just <laughs> lamb's sucking quarters. them down. Yeah. yeah. Lamb's, lamb's quarters. quarters. Yeah. Is exactly. it a weed? Is it lunch? <laughs> Is it spinach? Who knows? <laughs> if you if you eat enough, it'll all just, you know, it'll get out before the toxins leach. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I realized like, oh, okay, this is an aspect of some of, of this that I hadn't really explored before. We had a big garden, but it was always like it had a very industrial feel. Like mm-hmm. it felt like a production field. And just walking out into it was really stressful, actually, because it would be really weedy. Mm-hmm. It would be really yeah. whatever. Yeah, it was, a, it was a space of labor, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we've, we've shifted. But part of that was was cut flowers and, and then realizing I had not realized that like Alexis, others as well, like uh, and I've gotten from from a number of different places do these DIY buckets where the, you can buy flowers and do the arranging yourself. So you don't have to grow the flowers. You don't have to buy a finished bouquet. There is a middle space there. And so I just thought like if somebody's interested and maybe they're not, maybe they're not the person who's going to get into commercial Green growing like this, or, yeah. or maybe they're not even going to garden at all, or maybe they are, they want to grow stuff. Like, do we have a, a top five or a handful of things that come to mind as the usual suspects of the cut flower experience and um, these things that are maybe easier to grow or whatever, like maybe we could throw that out there. I, I'll say one thing before I shut up. <laughs> is the thing that I did not realize or didn't think about before is that, okay, so we say cut flowers, yeah. right? Greenery. Foliage. Greenery, foliage, fillers. That category makes the hugest difference in uh-huh. terms of your like arrangement and like a base to operate from. So that's something they know. Maybe we could talk about that as a whole other topic at some point. Uh, maybe talk about the floral design or something with somebody who does it, you know, better than me. Um, but that was, that <laughs> was a big one for me. And job. so I'm starting to think about like, okay, can I grow some stuff that I can use as greenery or take mm-hmm. stuff that I have and use it as greenery? And I've used hydrangea leaves. I've used elderberry leaves and like oh, an Ikebana minimalist it. arrangement mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. like with a lily with lilies that you grew. Um, yeah. It was like, mm, so was. like very moving <laughs> to me, but uh, so anyway, but that, that's my my little tidbit there. L- last year, I had a couple of my my friend Sean 
brought me several buckets of flowers for my birthday that I Aww. we then arranged into like ten or twelve like pretty large displays is or pretty large. Uh, it's fun. Extremely fun. Um, but anyway, so do you all have some some, uh, some thoughts? Yeah, some thoughts on any of that. Um, so this question I am going to try to not overdo. Yeah, um, I also I also have this little. These are a little uh, on the back end of their their life, but maybe there's there's some species in here that might uh, spring to mind. Yeah, some things. Yeah. Ooh, look, some Sir Wowies status. Mm. I love it. Uh, it's also called rat tail status, which I mean. It's pretty accurate, it's but it's harder to market that. Sir Wowie, that's the Latin, um, but it sounds fun. So, uh, yeah, I think it depends on time of year. But let's just say, for most people, they can handle like a summer kind of a warm weather garden. Mm. So, um, the first one has to be zinnias because yeah. everybody knows what they are. But for those of you who went, eh, like just now when I said that and everybody knows the sound and face that <laughs> I just made. Yeah. Um, there are so many – Xenia isn't a zen, like your grandma Xenia anymore. Not that there was anything wrong with grandma Xenias, but if you are a Xenia like – hater and they're out there um because you don't because necessarily so let's just let's just call it what it is they're kind of like they because they're basic. easy to grow they're they're kind of like basic right yep yep they're they the seem basic, basic summer bouquet they're like that's why i love them they're like started with watered down sunflower like right yep. that's the yep. the thumb in your nose at it but you're saying not all zinnia is not a zinnia is not a zinnia yeah so Totally love them for who they are, but realize <laughs> that we've come a long way in uh, Xenia breeding. And so there are a lot of fantastic colors and even shapes and sizes now. Um, so if you're very, if you're one of those people that very boho muted feel, look into the Queen Lime <laughs> series um, for those more muted. Is it Queen tones. of Lime? Queen? Queen, Queen Lime. Queen Lime. Yes, so there's queen, queen lime. lime orange, queen lime red, queen lime blush. Pe queen, there's a bunch. So look into that series. Um, and, you know, then there's some really light pinks if you're more into that. Um, I, I grow a, a huge range of them and love all of them, but understand that very like – I don't know. It's like some of them just are like. I think there's a mix called like circus, and that mm. is how they they look and feel. And it's have not you for gone everybody. through? Would you say you've gone through a period of like relationship change with zinnias? Did you did you used to thumb your nose at all? Um, I don't know if I ever. I always have always grown them, but I do yeah. not like um certain varieties, and I gotcha. own, I've really like gone down in the colors and the types that I grow. So I do thumb my nose at some varieties, gotcha. but not ever zinnias. The next one I would tell you is Celosia. Again, another one that everybody knows. That one's also called Coxco, but Celosia, tons of shapes and sizes. You can have ones that look like, you know, brains, others that are more fan-shaped, a coral, others that are like pretty plumes of, you know, they look like smoke uh, or um, not smoke, like fire coming up. And they also come wide variety of colors, those nice burgundies all the way to those bright golds and you know there's some greens and stuff now so don't really explore you know kind of what shape and size i grow an entire row of those of, of just different types of celosia because it's my favorite i'm really excited there's a, a variety that is uh called like texas vintage rose mix and mm. the foliage is beautiful so the plant itself is like just beautiful before it even blooms and it's these different shades of like 
reds and like, or not reds, burgundies and golds and like dark greens and like, I don't know, real muted tones and I'm sandy colors, which Josh is like, gross but feels like I you should feels like you should listen to like some willie nelson while you pick I, it's that. just oh, i love it redheaded stranger so you know with your, with your vintage red texas mm-hmm. oh, yeah uh, I was, what i was really laughing at was the editing where it was like they're red uh not red burgundy yeah. burgundy <laughs> maroon you know just some the lesser mind would say red but that's yeah. not what we're doing here red is yeah. basic um, we don't go for that so so so, so sort of a childish Sologia. garnet yeah it's whimsical, whimsical. Um, and, then, <laughs> uh, and then one that is great if you want to dry flowers so you can also dry celosia uh, and it dries really well uh, but i like flowers when i'm telling people to who want to just like have a nice garden for themselves like hey extend your season keep those flowers you know do an everlasting bouquet and enjoy them all winter you can grow something like gomfrina uh, which is also called globe amaranth and it comes in lots of different shades and it's just this cute little cute cute as a button because it it just kind of looks like a little button um and it dries exactly the way it looks holds its color phenomenal uh is wonderful you can use it in wreaths if you grow the red one it's great in like christmas wreaths and stuff so i really like to tell people to do that one um and then you know sunflowers are are one and sunflowers are another one that like i don't know they're hit or miss like i don't grow a traditional sunflower anymore i grow like really, you know, white colors or the deep burgundies or the frilly fluffy ones because I feel like they're really boring, but that's me. And I know a lot of people just find so much happiness and it's just a beautiful yellow sunflower, whether they cut it or leave it in the garden for the birds. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's lots of varieties there too, if you're interested. Now I have to point out, I'd be amiss if I didn't point out some things that pull double duty. So um, an example of this is thornless raspberries. So if you're Mm. looking to plant, you know, some raspberry plants, most people do thornless. Joan Jay is a really great variety. Um, And she is great foliage. So speaking about foliage, and so I harvest it for foliage Mm -hmm. pretty much all season, but early in the season, especially when there's not much else, but it's also what I snack on in the field. Like every morning (laughs) I get raspberries for breakfast and then, you know, I might pick some greenery. Some other things that are great for double duty is uh, blueberries are another really good one, Uh, but they're pretty much, they're pretty slow. That's why the raspberries are so great because they're quick. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like any of your mints, so apple mint, pineapple mint, even spearmint, all of those are great. Uh, Oh yeah. Just, be careful where you plant them because they're going to take over. They win. (laughs) They will beat everyone. Okay. Uh, So an oregano is another really good one. Like a traditional oregano has a beautiful purple flower, but it's also a good foliage. So if you're familiar with, uh, are you familiar with Kent's beauty oregano? Yes, I have some. I just got some. (laughs) Wow. I know. It's wow. It's a wow. So that one's more for like a hang, almost like a hanging basket. It's a dangler. It's yeah, a it's a dangler, and she she's not she don't look like oregano. So yeah, um, it looks kind of like like a oregano crossed with eucalyptus or something. Yes, that, and, I would and agree. Like with shrunken that. down, and yeah. but the tips before they flower, flower they look like before the, before they turn pink, they look like little cabbages on the tip of a stem, <laughs> kind of. And I said that when I picked it out. And then I brought it home, and without anything, Annie was like, "Oh look, they look little cabbages." And I was like, "Oh god, we're hanging um, out too much. <laughs> we need some space." Um, <laughs> but uh, 
Yes. And there's going like to throw back if you're like, Alexis, you're going too fast. I cannot write all of these things down or whatever. There's a good that good list um, that uh, Michelle Wheeler, I'm pretty sure, is the one who did in her top five for mm. kind of getting started. And she mentioned some that I don't mention and not because they're bad, just because we could talk for hours literally on this. Um but so if you want to check that out, she uh, go on that, follow the link, go on that page, her her top five, uh, and then she throws some honorable mentions in there. And they're the easy ones, and she's coming at it from a cut a commercial cut flower perspective, but that doesn't mean that you can't grow it if you're growing one of one of each. Like you can right. – that's the beauty of it is you can grow one plant or you can grow 5,000 plants. Anything in between is fine. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so so, you're, so every you're saying every rose has its thorn, but not every raspberry. You've <laughs> <laughs> right. been working on that thornless. one. That one's like <laughs> that was the second. That's the second verse people forget about is the second part of the chorus. Um, well, that's I mean that that sounds to like we could go on and on about this obviously, and and we will have more episodes about cut flowers this month with some other folks who are pu- mm-hmm. getting pulled in, and we can talk with them. I know that I I have explored um, the, one of the cool things about the cut flower growers that I have come across is that they tend to be very very smart, very communicative, very multi talented, and as such, they've actually been either interviewed or they put out their own kind of blog materials and stuff, mm-hmm. sharing some of this information. Because honestly, I can say just like growing stuff in a garden makes you realize, oh, I have four tomatoes. I'm going to probably need more than that to eat this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go and buy from people who are doing this. It kind of gives you a, a real a, a, a reality check about what it takes to grow good stuff. I can say growing flowers has taught me that the, the cuts, some of these people that Alexis has mentioned, the stuff that's coming from them, the quality and the vase life and all that other stuff, is a really impressive feat. And so growing flowers has led me to buy more flowers. Uh-huh. And I think that's part of your all scheme that you've been up to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's, like, it, give us a, just a little taste. There's, a, there's a few people around the state who do grow kits. And so you're, it's like the exact same stuff they're growing, the same colors, yeah. everything. And then that's how they get you because you're that's growing your own you. and you're like, this is so awesome. I'm on the mower. Yeah, I want to make a bouquet like, hey. that's like large and makes an impact. So I'm going to yeah. need like 40 stems yeah. or more. Um, but it's so exciting because like you grew oh, part God. of it. So it's just and then like and then you get to arrange it all. But until so like, yeah, those DIY buckets. And again, going back the to DIY that buckets that are bring. just that is a slippery slope. <laughs> The um and it and it makes you appreciate how much money you're spending on flowers because they are yeah. local flowers are more expensive than flowers you're gonna get at Kroger and Walmart. Facts are facts. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna get a better quality product, just like we always say with vegetables. Uh, but if you try and just like when you grow your own tomato plant, you really appreciate how much you're spending mm-hmm. when you go buy them from the farmers market because you know how hot it is outside in July. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what it takes. You know what it takes. Well, we, we've we've talked on and on here. I think I'm going to skip the traditional recap and just say we, we do have some resources that uh, we've mentioned. And this is Cut Flower Month. July is Cut Flower Month. So get out there and celebrate with a DIY bucket or a bouquet or just noticing something and taking a nice picture and posting it to your uh, – sending it to a friend or posting it on your social media. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk more with some people we have coming up this month. And uh, if anybody else have anything to add, we can take us on out, Alexis. Awesome. Well, uh, I hope that I didn't dominate this too much, but I am uber excited about flowers. If you have any questions about 
flowers about horticulture, whatever, please feel free to reach out for, to us. Our email uh, is in the show notes. You can also follow us at uh, Hort Culture Podcast on Instagram, uh, and you can comment or send us a message on there, uh, and and we'll check that out. If you have ideas for shows, you can also uh, leave us a review on a show that you have liked. If you enjoyed this or have enjoyed any of them, uh, please feel free to leave us a review so more people can find us. And with that, uh, as we grow this podcast, we hope that you will grow with us. Join us next week. We're going to talk about some fall gardens with y'all. So thanks for being here today. <laughs>